Welcome to the Top 3 by E3, a monthly podcast about the intersection between engineering, energy, and project finance. My name is Ginger Elbaum, Managing Director at E3, and I'll be your host today. And today, I'm joined by Chris Wright, head of E3's energy storage practice. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Ginger. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, Chris, today we're going to talk about what's going on with energy storage market, um, as well as I think we're going to talk a little bit about lithium-ion uh, battery uh, energy storage systems as well. So, so why don't we start there? So, Chris, tell me what's going on in the energy storage market. Well, Ginger, these are exciting times, right? Uh, we're seeing a complete transformation of how the electric grid is operated and how energy will be transacted in the future. Uh, not to mention the realization that renewable energy is here to stay. Uh, yeah, all of this really is being enabled by grid-connected energy storage. Uh, not only that, you know, through, we're seeing a lot of opportunities in the market that are enabling energy storage, everything from, you know, CalISO's resource adequacy uh, contract structures, PJM adjusting their 10-hour requirements, Massachusetts Smart Program, lots of uh, work in ERCOT, you know, and, and those are really, you know, ISO levels at the state level. There's a lot of other incentives too, but we're also seeing plenty of progress at the federal level. You know, with FERC, we've had a FERC Order 841. 841 survived a legal challenge, but it allows energy storage to participate in wholesale markets when interconnected at the distribution level. We've got FERC Order 222 that also allows, or 2222 allows distributed energy resources to participate in wholesale markets by aggregating. Uh, we have a lot of talk now about a possibility for the ITC for standalone energy storage, and we're seeing a lot of activity and opportunities to possibly build a domestic lithium-ion battery supply chain. You know, again, Lots of exciting times and, and, and uh, yeah, really, and when it comes to energy storage now up to the four hour duration, lithium ion is really still king. Well, so, so lithium ion is, is king currently. So Chris, tell me more about lithium ion. Uh, sure, Ginger. Lithium ion you know, is, a, is a term used or a phrase used to describe a family of batteries that utilize lithium to, in their structure, you know, for charging or discharging. And, you know, specifically, lithium-ion batteries transport lithium ions from the cathode to the anode structure during charging, and then they go from the anode structure back to the cathode structure during discharge. You know, and an interesting note about that is just the the inside the construction of the battery. You know, you have a cathode, you have an anode, you have an electrolyte, and you have a separator, and the separator has to be ionically conductive yet electrically insulative because you can only have the ions move back and forth. If you actually have electrical current move back and forth, that would be a shorting of the battery. So that, that's not really a specific to a lithium ion battery, but it's an interesting note about batteries in general. And you know, the lithium ion market, you know, lithium ion batteries have been around a long time. They're in all of our consumer electronics and we're really seeing a lot of, you know, that they're really becoming the de facto battery also and have for the electric vehicle market. Uh, you know, lithium-ion batteries, you know, the ones used for EV, which are really a version of what we use ourselves in, in stationary storage, are have three form factors. We call them one is cylindrical. These are round cells that, you know, look like your traditional uh, AA batteries, but larger. They have a pouch cell. A pouch cell is really looks like a aluminum foil bag. And then there's a prismatic cell, which is becoming more and more popular. Prismatic cell actually has a metallic can that the battery uh, is actually placed down into the metallic can that it has a, uh, on the top of it, electrical connections on the top. And so, yeah, those are the three main form factors we see. 
Yeah, and we're also seeing, I would say, two main chemistries for lithium-ion. We see the nickel-based cathodes, which use uh, nickel in their cathode and have a typically a higher energy density, although they normally are not as cycling tolerant, so they don't have as high of a cycling tolerance, and they also can also have higher energetics in a, in a scenario of thermal runaway. And then we're also seeing iron-based cathodes, which is lithium iron phosphate or LFP, which is what we're really seeing a lot of in the stationary storage market. And that, that technology has a little bit less energy density, but often has a higher cycling tolerance and also has a little bit lower energetics. So it doesn't seem to have, as, it's not as um, risky when it comes to a thermal runaway situation, the energetics are lower. And so, you know, when it comes to lithium ion batteries in general, there's the, the inherent risk we talk about, and there's lots of, lots of articles out there about, you know, electric vehicle, car fires and stationary fires and car system fires. And really, you know, the technology where we are today, the biggest, the biggest risk we see is what's called thermal runaway. And thermal runaway is where a battery cell, you know, this expands to a cell, uh, a pack, a rack, or even a system. But essentially when a battery cell begins to generate more heat than that battery cell can safely dissipate, the battery cell goes into what's called thermal runaway. And the, the technology of lithium-ion batteries at this time a certain amount of high heating, the electrolyte actually can turn into a gas and that'll increase the pressure inside the battery cell to the point the battery cell can burst. But a lot of battery cells now have safety features that allow that gas to be released relatively safely in a thermal runaway event. However, that gas is oftentimes flammable and can reach concentrations in an enclosed container that are actually explosive. And so, you know, one battery cell often is not going to do that. But what you're worried about is what's called thermal runaway and then propagation where a single battery cell or a single battery module goes into thermal runaway and the heat being generated causes adjacent cells or adjacent modules to go into thermal runaway. And then you can have a large scale thermal event on a battery system. And so that's kind of like our inherent risk. And there's there's lots of work going on to mitigate those risks, starting at a hazardous, just simply with a hazard mitigation plan on battery system to begin with. There's a lot of work in gas detection, fire and smoke detection and suppression, and you know, just uh, smarter and smarter design work being done to eliminate thermal runaway risk from cell to cell module to module. Right, so where are we going? Well, um, you know, in the short term, I think, you know, uh, if we're looking for hours of energy storage up to about the four hour mark, things like that. You know, we're, we're really going to stick with lithium ion batteries. And so I'll kind of kind of talk about those, you know, where we're going with lithium ion batteries, you know, a big push in the market. And there's a lot of investments been flowing into this area. And we've seen a couple of, of companies come out, the you know, come out of stealth mode in the last couple of years. But there's a lot of conversation about the next step with the existing technology is what's called solid state. And so a solid state Lithium-ion battery is a bas- lithium-ion battery that uses a solid electrolyte instead of a liquid electrolyte. And so, what will happen is that solid electrolyte will make the battery is allows the battery to be much more inherently safer because it won't break down at the lower temperatures and start to vaporize, and it'll eliminate some of this gas generation and and risk issues we have with thermal runaway now. You know, eliminating cobalt in the battery cathodes is another big push that cobalt there's, you know, cobalt is expensive. The material pricing tends to, to not be as predictable, predictable as people would like. 
And there's also some ethical concerns about uh, where where a majority of the cobalt in the world is mined. So there's a lot of work to try to eliminate cobalt from the batteries. Uh, a lot of, and when you eliminate cobalt, you've got to do something else to get the version to the same performance. And so we're seeing a lot of what we call high nickel and high manganese cathodes uh, come out. A lot of work in that area where the nickel, the nickel fraction goes up all the way to, to eight parts nickel to one part uh, cobalt, one part manganese and some high nickel cathodes. And then we're seeing work on high manganese cathodes too on Volkswagen battery day. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of talk about from Volkswagen about high manganese cathodes. And then, you know, uh, LFP, the lithium, lithium iron phosphate that we're working with now, yeah, there's a lot of advanced and performance increases going on there. You know, I've been astounded at, at the energy density gains that have been found for LFP battery cells. And a lot of innovation is being done in the packaging of a lithium iron, you know, of a lithium iron phosphate battery cell into innovative packaging that has actually saw LFP start showing up in passenger EVs. And at one point in time, a few years ago, we never thought we would see uh, lithium iron phosphate powering passenger EVs. But cell to pack technologies, packaging technologies, and things like that are really moving LFP forward too. So a lot of exciting things. Yeah, I think the innovation um, in the battery storage market has been pretty spectacular and really fun to watch. It, it's really neat. Well, so so what else do you, you know, we E3 see happening in the stationary storage market? What's what else? Well, you know, there, there's uh, there's trends going on in the market, right? And and a few of them that I think that that we really see that you know, we, re- we really see and, and see have traction, right, is that, you know, one of the earliest market trends we saw is at one point in time when you, you build a lithium-ion battery system, you took batteries, you put them in racks, you put them inside of a 40-foot ISO container and you installed it on site. And there were issues with the ability for someone to walk inside of those containers. There were safety issues related to that and things like that. And the, and the risk to the batteries, you know, going into thermal runaway and maybe someone, you know, not enough situational awareness inside the container to know what's going on. So, We've seen external enclosures is really the, one of the first major trends we've seen where you, you really are not selling battery systems in enclosures that people can go into anymore. They access them from the outside. And this is this is due to safety concerns and also uh, ironically allows a tighter packing of the batteries inside the uh, and containers, too. So it's actually a, a good in both ways. A lot of work in gas detection, smoke detection, heat detection, you know, when it comes to this. You know, mitigating thermal runaway, detecting it quickly, taking the battery system offline. A lot of work going on there. Gas detection, I think, will get more and more advanced as we move on. A lot of work in uh, venting and deflagration. That is where you are essentially designing these enclosures where if there was a buildup of gas because of, of the thermal runaway event and maybe some other safety system did not operate, you have what's called a deflagration vent. These can be or, a ventil- or an active ventilation system that essentially is designed to release any kind of pressure built up in the enclosure and any kind of event, whether it just be a gas, you know, just a gas uh, off gassing of the batteries during a thermal runaway event, all the way through a, you know, the lower explosive levels reach and there's actually an explosion inside the enclosure. The deflagration vents will drive that up. So seeing a lot of work there. You know, LFP is is really lithium iron phosphate is really the battery of choice we're seeing now. You know, five years ago, you really did not see LFP in stationary storage projects. You saw NMC, but you're seeing really LFP all over the the market now. 
And, um, you know, cost reductions and performance increases, right? Just just amazing to see what's happening in the market. You know, we're really fortunate enough to ride the coattails of the electric vehicle industry, right? So we're we're taking a lot of upsides on the work that's being done there on energy density, you know, increased cycling, safety, you know, cost reductions, things like that. The stationary storage market is really fortunate to be able to to uh, take advantage of those, you know, those trends that are moving larger than us now. You know, there's there's a lot of bankable players in the markets, but there's still concerns, right? There's a, you know, really when you look at the projected amount of batteries that will be installed in the United States over the next few years, there's really no way for the top few battery suppliers that uh, to supply them. And so there's not only is there concerns with some of the top suppliers when there's you know safety issues with their batteries, whether they're being an electric vehicle or stationary storage fire, but there's just not enough batteries in the market at the the tier one we would call you know it's kind of a rough way of saying it, bankable players. So there's a lot of opportunities for for other battery suppliers to come in the market and and really they're going to have to come into the market to help fill the demand. Seeing a lot of momentum in the residential market. Yeah, a lot of residential storage. Uh, at one point in time, you know, residential storage was a tray of lead acid batteries in somebody's garage and that was the extent of what you had. But now you're seeing a lot of, you know, work on the the lithium-ion batteries being used for residential storage and really the advancement of the inverters in the residential space are allowing residential energy storage projects or uh, products to back up the power to the house for a certain amount of time. So you're seeing residential grow a lot for resiliency, for backup, and then, you know, self-consumption is where essentially you've installed solar on the roof. And during the day when the solar output is high enough, you're starting to net meter to the grid and some utilities have backed off on the amount of money they're paying for solar that is pushed on the grid from a residential space. And so you really start to see a business case for, I'm going to take this solar energy and I'm going to put it in an energy storage, a battery system at my house. I'm going to discharge it at night when my loads are a little higher when I'm home, maybe, you know, cooking and and, running the washing machine at night. So so a lot lot of opportunities in a residential space. Amazing to see how much momentum is being gained there. And then lastly, I think there's a lot of talk and you're seeing uh, U.S.-based, you know, domestic battery manufacturing, right? We don't really produce many uh, cathodes and anodes in the U.S. yet, but we're producing battery cells. And I think it's just a matter of time before we'll see more and more domestication of of the lithium-ion battery supply chain here in the United States. Yeah, that's all that's all exciting. And it's a lot to look forward to. But, you know, kind of to my earlier comment, it's it's impressive how everything is moving and moving quickly. You know, I mean, the, uh, you know, the market is just evolving fast and it's, uh, it's really fun to watch. So, okay. So Chris, you know, thank you for all this information. So, you know, we're top three by E3. So, uh, you know, tell us what you think the listeners should take away as the, the top three from this. Uh, you know, top three to me, number one is just, you know, the age of energy storage is here, right? Market structures, you know, state incentives, you know, ISO, RTO market structures are being changed. And, you know, at the federal level at FERC, right, we're, we are changing the grid and the way we interact with the grid and the way we consume energy. And uh, this is pushing energy storage to the forefront, right? It has to be there to enable high penetration of renewables, enable there to be a transaction level with the grid, things like that. So, you know, it's exciting times and we're going to continue to see very high growth in the utility and the resi space for energy storage. You know, electric vehicle battery demand, you know, that electric vehicle uh, demand is, is a is a major player in what we're going to be doing in the future on the stationary storage side, because 
the electric vehicle battery demand, if it starts to strain supply chains, which it's straining capacity now, you know, we're going to see battery shortages at the at the tier two levels, right? And really, you're going to have to go look for another supplier, right? You're not you're not going to be able to go to the, the the top three battery suppliers in the world and be able to buy your batteries. We're going to have to find other sources of batteries. And you know, I I, I would like to talk more about that on a subsequent podcast. So I won't go into it much much farther now. Um, and then, you know, last one is, you know, lithium-ion is king here for the next five years or so when it comes to, you know, up to four-hour battery storage. Uh, Long-duration energy storage is coming. You know, I think there's a uh, RFP coming out for a pumped hydro project out in the San Diego area very soon. So, you know, we're seeing long-duration energy storage kind of move along, too. And, you know, lithium-ion really doesn't fit in a, a days or weeks of energy storage like, like a pumped hydro would. But um, but lithium's king for the hourly stuff we're doing now, and uh, I think it will be for uh, the foreseeable future. But I'll talk a little bit more about long duration energy storage on another podcast too. Great. Well, and for our listeners, this is the first uh, in a series of podcasts on uh, energy storage. So you know, there's more to come. So stay tuned. Um, I'm looking forward to those additional topics. Um, and then, uh, Chris, thanks for those takeaways. I think uh, great insights and a great introduction to lithium ion as well as the battery storage markets and for our listeners we you know thank you for listening uh today and joining today's session um, if you have any questions for chris or any other topic suggestions you know please let us know um we'd love to cover in any of your questions uh in our podcast and subsequent podcasts and uh, you can submit any questions or recommended topics to us at e3co at e3co.com Chris, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you again to our listeners for listening.